Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Now, but let's, uh, let's all turn to Psalm 13. Uh, that's the passage for today, and I'll read that for us. So Psalm 13. So it reads, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Uh, let's play, pray real quick. Father, I just uh, pray for us this morning as we listen to your word. I pray, Father, that any words that I speak today would be yours. And Father, I just pray that you would... Speak to our hearts, uh, Lord, that uh, for any of us that are going through difficult times, that these words from, from your psalm would just speak to us and lift us up and help us uh, hope in you again. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. So, you know, as Pastor Dave mentioned, you know, my name is Stan, for those that don't know me. Um, I work, actually, full-time in IT at Walgreens. And uh, I'm, I'm 37 years old, <laughs> and I've been coming to Harvest about a, a year and a half. Um, although I'm really not that old, um, I'm not really, you know, that young anymore. And uh, one of these things that, you know, kind of you realize that age is kind of catching up to you is uh, at the retreat. I remember we were just playing uh, ball on Saturday afternoon, and uh, we only played maybe an hour or maybe two hours, but... But afterwards, I, I don't know if you noticed, but, you know, Pastor Dave was kind of limping around. And, and, <laughs> and so, so was I, too. So, you know, not, not anything, you know, about Pastor Dave. But, but you know, you, when kind of age catches up to you, right, that, that you, you get sore afterwards. And I remember talking to uh, one of the younger guys who's, like, kind of in his mid-20s. And he's like, I'm like, you know, are you, are you sore? You know, I was sitting next to him. And he's like, no, we only, we only played two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you yeah, know, just you wait. Just you wait. <laughs> And so, and also, you know, as Pastor Dave, I, I was a part-time pastor uh, before coming here to Harvest. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things as, as you work with uh, the youth groups and those that are younger, you, you know, you try to engage with them and you try to share with them and share God's truth with them in, in, in relevant ways. And so I remember one time I was just sharing uh, about a truth and I was wanting to use an analogy, right? And I, I used the movie Braveheart. And as I, I shared that analogy, I just remember looking and a lot of people just having blank stares. You know, what, what is this? And then afterwards, I was talking to one of the youth kids. And I was like, so did you ever see Braveheart? He's like, no, I never heard of it. And, uh, and he's like, so when did it come out? And I'm like, oh, I think, you know, mid-90s. And he was like, oh, I was, I was born in 95. So I was like, <laughs> like oh, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> but, but anyways, you know, as, as you... As you get older, you know, one thing that strikes me the most is that life 
has a tendency not to get any easier. As in college, you know, you kind of, when you're in college, there's, life is, it might seem hard, but really what's on your mind the most is like your grades and, and maybe, maybe girls, right? But, and in, when you, when you go through college and you think about it, like exams are huge deals. And I remember for me, like if I didn't do well on an exam, it would just stick with me for, for a couple weeks. But, but looking back on that now, like you realize that those kind of things were, were kind of small in comparison to what you experience today. And so life has a way of surprising us. And the problems like that we faced when we were younger pale in comparison to what we face up to now. You know, and, and that's the thing. You know, it's easy a lot of times to say that God is good. And that's true. And there's that he's in control. But it's tougher to say that when, let's say, you lost your job, right? And, and you're wondering how you're going to pay the bills. And so there's this thing where, what you experience in life doesn't always match what you believe in God. And so I think that's where David is coming from here in this psalm. And life has kind of thrown him a curveball, and he's asking God to help him understand his current situation and how that meshes with what he understands about who God is and what he believes in him. And I believe some of us are in that same boat today as David. You know, going through something that we've never imagined that we've gone, that we go through, even a few years back. And we can't even put into words what we're feeling. And it's my hope that as we go through Psalm 13, that David's words would become our words. And this, this Psalm would help us through these difficult times. So the first thing to notice about this Psalm is that there's even a Psalm in the first place, right? So we see here in verse 1, it reads, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and even and every day have sorrow in my heart? You know, David feels that God has forgotten about him. He, his closeness with God is gone. And, you know, if you think about it, normally when we feel that way, it's not, it's not really normal for us to, to go to God, right? It's, it's normal... At least in my case, like I, in my experience, I feel like if I feel that way, I tend to draw away from God. I don't want to spend time with him. And, you know, if, if we're in that boat, we might tell ourselves, yeah, I, I need to spend time with God. This is something I, I need to do. But in reality, we're, we're just not spending that time with God. And that's what really stands out about this psalm. Because David is here at that place, and yet he is willing to sit down and struggle with God. He's willing to sit down and write this psalm out. And I know that a lot of us, when we think about struggling with God, it's, it's uncomfortable, this notion of struggle, right? We feel that if we're struggling with, with our faith or with God, that in some way we've, we've kind of failed in our faith. And, you know, it's understandable why we feel that way. When we struggle, we, we're distant from God. We're not doing spiritually well. Right? If we were to you know, measure our spiritual health from 1 being kind of lowest and 10 being the highest, we'd probably say like 0 or something, right? Because we feel so distant from God. 
But I would say this, that there is a, a difference between struggling with God and struggling with our faith and struggling for, for God, for our faith. Let me define it this way. A person who's struggling with their faith is stuck. Right? All they see is their own pain and are unwilling to turn back to God. They keep telling themselves and other people that they know that they're, you know, that they're not doing well, but they're just not willing to turn and look to God. But a person struggling for their faith you know, is in that same boat, is feeling distant, but is desperately looking for God. They too see their own pain, but it doesn't stop them from trying to seek God. In fact, their pain and suffering makes them all the more desperate. Yeah, and it's it's like, like I don't know if you know the the story of, of Jacob and Esau, and here in this in this biblical story, that Jacob, you know, there's these two brothers, and last time they saw each other, Jacob uh, kind of stole the birthright of Esau, and Esau wanted to kill him, so Jacob had to had to leave. And, and go far and, and go to a distant place. And then after a while, many, many years later, he's coming back and he's worried that his brother still wants to kill him, right? And, and he hears these reports about his brother bringing like 100 guys with him. And so he's thinking, man, my brother still is mad at me. He wants to kill me and he doesn't know what to do. So he goes and the night before he sees his brother, he sits and he sends everything out ahead of him and he sits there and he wrestles with God all night. And I don't know about you, but I, I really actually don't like wrestling. I know that maybe my, I have to give my man card up now. But, <laughs> but you know, like wrestling is like up in your face and it's all like kind of in your grill and you're with that guy and they're like sitting on you and you can't do anything. <laughs> I, I know that from personal experience. <laughs> but, but wrestling, it, it's, it's so personal, right? It's so right there. And, and Jacob is willing to do that with God. He's willing to... Be personal and, and really be upfront with God and, and really struggle, struggle for his faith, struggle with the situation. And so I think that's the picture that, that is here in this psalm, that, that David is willing to struggle for his faith. Right? And so I ask us today, are we willing to struggle for our faith? So I mentioned earlier that I work in IT, right? I work at Walgreens Corporate. And and at Walgreens, you know, this our fiscal year ends in August. And because our, our fiscal year ends, we have our annual reviews coming up. We have these uh, performance reviews. And so, you know, just last week I had to finish up my self-evaluation for this performance review. And, uh, you know, the temptation was, you know, it, it, it actually takes a lot of work. Like you have to think about what you did last year and, and try to put it in all these corporate-sounding words, right? But, but yeah, you know, and the temptation is right to to take what you did and try to make it sound a little bit better. So, f- for example, yeah, you know, I I could say that as part of my performance review that I I took out the garbage in my cube every week, right? And and if I put that down, it, it, you know, it doesn't sound so great. But if I if I change the you know the words and make it a little bit sound a little bit more corporate, I could say that I I managed waste disposal for my work location. So it sounds like you know I'm a I'm a manager. But, but right. But you know, I finally got it done last week, and and that's the thing. Like, I, I really struggled with this. I was willing to sit there and for hours trying to figure out what do I need to put down on my uh, performance review, and 
and, and it, it made me think about it because when I got home and I'm like tired from the day's work, like I, in, you know, I needed to spend some time with God, you know, was I willing to struggle through that? And most of the time I would, you know, think about, okay, I'm going to spend time with God or watch something on Netflix, you know, I'll just go to Netflix, right? And so I think a lot of us, right, we work. And we're so willing, and, and understandably so, because uh, you know, my performance review is linked directly to my paycheck, right? How well I do, I, I, I'll, get, I'll get better a bonus and a merit increase. But we're so willing to spend hours, you know, spend struggle. Like, let's say I even got a, a bad performance review. Would I just kind of give up and just say, okay, I, I accept that fact that I need improvement? Or do I actually try to figure out what to do? and struggle and improve at my job. And so I think for us, you know, we're so willing to struggle for work or maybe for many other things, but are we willing to struggle for our faith? You know, David was willing to struggle for his faith. I would say let's follow his example and struggle for ours. So the second observation I like to make is from verse, verses 3 to 4. And let me read that for us. It says, look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. So we see here the desperation of David. He's asking God to look to him and answer. And the image that he uses in verse 3 is especially kind of poignant. It's especially striking because he's asking God to give light to his eyes. And, and what that means is, in, in this context, is that he's, saying, he's thinking that he's going to die, that the light in his eyes are going to go out. Like, you know, like when, when someone dies, their eyes kind of glaze over, right? And he's, he's saying, God, don't, don't let the, eye, the light in my eyes go out. This is a life or death situation, Right, and it's not too hard to imagine that David is is in this life or death situation, right? You know, as as some of us may know, like, you know, he's fought you know wild animals when he was a kid, right? He he's mentioned that when he was going to fight Goliath, right? He uses his, his uh, slingshot, right? And uh, he was hunted by King Saul, right? Who was before his mentor, and at the same time, he, these Philistines would you know raid. Uh, Israel all the time, and even his own camp was raided by the Philistines. Then after he became king, he fought a bunch of wars. And then when his sons grew up, his third son, Absalom, you know, staged a coup and tried to kill him. Right? So it's just, it's just amazing what, what David went through in his life. And sometimes you, you think about it, I'm like, man, maybe my life isn't so bad, thinking, <laughs> thinking <laughs> regarding to what, what David went through. But what, what's so striking is that David doesn't get numb to these life or death situations. Yeah, I, I don't know when he wrote this psalm, but he, but many of his psalms had this desperate plea in them. He's crying out to God, and he won't quit until God answers him. You know, and you know, probably many of us aren't in these life or death situations, right? We we don't live in a country plagued by war. And we don't really have to think about where we're going to get our next meal. But we do experience things in life that are extremely difficult. And in some ways might feel 
to that, even close to that life or death situation. So, you know, in my life, my, my sister, you know, as some of you know, developed bipolar disorder about six years ago. And even though this isn't really a life or death situation, it was an extremely difficult time for my family. And bipolar, for those of you who don't know, bipolar disorder is a, a mental condition you know, which a person kind of suffers these extreme opposites from like depression to like these manic kind of stages where they, they think they could do everything. And my sister actually, she kind of had this more on the, on the manic side. She would be extremely up and all the time and, and kind of talking all the time. And I think it, like one example is she had this business trip to Honduras. And, I, and uh, at the time, you know, she was still working, or she is still working. And it's, it's definitely manageable with, with medication. But she decided to go on this business trip and in Honduras. And she thought she, you know, and she had an episode there. And she thought she could speak uh, Spanish. And so she would actually go up to people in the hotel and start speaking Spanish to them. And it was, it was pretty crazy. And so then my, my dad had to fly down to Honduras and kind of pick her up as, as, her, as the, her coworkers had to watch her a little bit. And so for families with someone with mental health issues, I think the hardest, hardest thing, even in my personal experience, is that, that modern medicine doesn't really have any, any cure for mental illnesses. You know, there, there's good days, and then there's bad days. And, you know, realistically, like, in my mind, I'm always kind of, unfortunately, waiting for a bad day. And I know it maybe sounds kind of pessimistic, but there's always this fear kind of that my sister is going to have another episode. And I'm afraid of that call from my parents that, you know, like, oh, you're, you know, your sister is not doing well, and, and I'll have to fly out. And she lives in D.C., and so do my parents, and I'll have to fly out there uh, to, to kind of help them out. You know, and thankfully, she hasn't had any major episodes recently, but there's always the possibility of one. And... To be honest, it makes me think that it's always going to be like this. That my sister is going to have bipolar disorder for the rest of her life. And maybe she will. And, and that's, that's it. That's, that's the reality. And I think because of that, because of that thinking, I, I, I'm not desperate. I'm, I'm not, you know, asking God, you know, would you change her? Because in my mind, I've already decided that that's it. That's, that's what it's going to be like for the rest of her life. And I, this psalm really challenges that thinking. Right? That David, in his situation, hasn't given up hope. That David, in his situation, thinks that God can still change his, his life or death situation. And he doesn't think that, oh, you know, this is just the reality and I'm just going to have to deal with it. But he seeks desperately after God. And, you know, I just remember, again, back in college, like it was so, you know, maybe because of the environment, it was, there was so much fire, you know, and there's so much um, just, you know, there are times where you just were desperately crying out to God for him to work and to change. And maybe there was, I don't know, more hope. But as we get older, it's so easy to just give in to the, the, I guess, the lie that, that things aren't going to change, that we work day in, day out, 
that our family situations, that people aren't going to change. But, but the reality is that that's a lie, that God can change people, situations. Like even as Pastor Steve shared last week, that there is no hopeless situation in Christ. And so here in this psalm, it's a challenge to all of us that we need to be desperate and cry out to God. And why is David desperate? Because he trusts in God's unfailing love. And that leads me to my third and final observation. Now, here in verses 5 and 6, let me read that for us. It says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Right, and at first this seems like like 180 degrees from the beginning. Excuse me. Right, we see in verses one and two, right, that that David has has felt forgotten by God and and distant from Him. He's struggling to find God in in, in this in this tough, difficult time. But then. You know, as we dig a little deeper, we see that even in verses 1 and 2, that David is expressing his trust in God. In his struggle, he still trusts that God is going to do something, right? Why else would he go to God in the first place? He still believes that, that God is able, and he trusts that God will hear him and answer him. But even deeper than that, why does David trust God? Sure, he knows that that God is able and powerful, but why? Because of God's unfailing love, right? He, the reason why he trusts that God is going to do something is because of God's unfailing love. And, and this, this word unfailing is, is a Hebrew word, which is from the word chesed. And I don't know if you've ever heard that. And sorry, I, I, this doesn't, I'm not really good at those, like, like those R or H sounds, but, but really, there's, there's no direct translation for this word, for hesed. It can be translated as kindness, loving kindness, you know, steadfast love, everlasting love, abundant mercy. I mean, the list goes on. And when used to describe God's love, this word conveys that God's love is like abundant, ever, ever abundant, you know, ever faithful, everlasting. And Actually, this word is, is really actually one of my favorite Hebrew words. And if ever I was to get a tattoo, that would, that would be it, right, right here. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's funny because I, I just, as a sidecar, I remember I, I mentioned that before. And then one of the, I think, I don't know if it was in my discipleship group or something, they, they called me out and said, I'll get a tattoo if you get a tattoo. And I was like, uh, I don't know about that one. But if I ever was, that would, that would be it, right here. Hesed. And, you know, this word kind of, you know, just holds up this whole psalm. That even though in the beginning we see that David is, is you know, is in a, in a dark place. And even though he's, he's desperate and he's crying out to God, that, that all of this, all the whole psalm, under, underneath all of it is this, this trust in God's unfailing love in his hesed. Right? And, and I'm sure we've all heard sermons and, and teachings about love, right? And we, we hear about it all the time. 
the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, right? And, and there's a whole chapter on it in 1 Corinthians 13. But, you know, and, and to be honest, God's love in my own life has probably been, it is sometimes more of a concept than a reality. And, you know, as I mentioned before, when our experience doesn't match what we believe in God, that's, that's when, you know, we kind of get into this, we, we're, we, we don't know when we struggle, right? But I think for all of us, the real question boils down to this. Does God love me? Does God love me? And if you think about it, that, that question, I mean, it may sound really simple, but sometimes it's really, really tough, especially when we're in a really difficult situation, especially when we, we see loved ones go through such, such difficult things. And, and when, at those times when we ask, does God love me, it's hard to answer. But I think God actually brings us through and allows these difficult situations to happen in our lives because he wants us to experience more of his love. I, I, and I think about it this way, that if, if our whole life was just sunshines and rainbows and like unicorns, right? I mean, if our whole life was like that, how would we know the difference between God's love and these rainbows and sunshines and unicorns? Right? It, it, we, would, we would always think that everything's okay. It's like living in San Diego where it's always 70, right? It's, you, you never know that there's any difference. It, like if you lived in Chicago and it's like negative 25 in the winter, you, you, we know what it's like to experience an awesome day. But in San Diego, every day is awesome, right? And I think that's why God allows these difficult times in our lives. And, and I don't want to belittle those, those times. And, you know, I know that a lot of people have really, really, really difficult times in their lives. And I, I don't want to take anything away from that. But, but I, I firmly believe that it is through those difficult times that we experience God's love in a deeper way. And he wants us to really not just know it up here, but know it down here. And so I just wanted to encourage us with this psalm, to take David's words to heart. You know, though he began his psalm with these words, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? He finished with these words. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Let's pray. Father, I just pray for all of us here today. And, um, you know, though many of us might be in, in different points in our lives and maybe, you know, we might not be struggling as much as, as David is here. But I, I pray, Lord, that, that this psalm would, would stick with us, that, that you would hide it in our heart, that on the, especially on the days 
and and maybe even years later where we do go through these difficult times where we do have these questions on you know have you forgotten me lord you know where are you you know that that we have the sorrow in our heart i pray father that that in those times that you would speak to us that you would speak these words that of this psalm to our hearts so that we would be able to trust in your unfailing love rejoice in your salvation and sing to the Lord that you have been good to me so father just I pray that you would speak to all of us that you would change us help us hope again and we pray this in your son's name amen Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.